This podcast is presented to you by the Young Adults Ministry of Faith Chapel San Diego. To find out more, please visit faithchapelsd.com. Glad to be here. Better yet, how many of you love Jesus? Let me see your hand. That ought to be everyone in the room, all right? So there's outlines if you want one, they can pass those out. That's also available on the app. But what I was preparing for tonight and I was praying and I was thinking about our time together, I wanted to come back to what we had been discussing all summer long, this whole topic of the Holy Spirit. Because I think if there's something that we need more than anything else in our life, it is the Holy Spirit. We need the fresh touch of God upon our churches. We need the fresh touch of God upon our lives. We need the fresh touch of God upon our marriages, upon us as leaders, whether we're leading our family or we're leading our friends or we're leading a group in this church. We need, I mean, we need the Lord. The Bible says that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit, save the Lord. And so many times I think what we have done is we've taken authority or we've taken a possession of the church by working at it with all of our might instead of saying, God, thank you for counting us worthy to be in the ministry. Thank you for letting us be a part of this thing called the body of Christ. Thank you for letting us be a part of this great thing that you're doing. But what do you want us to do? How can we do it for you? How can we have the unction and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives? How can we have the joy of the Lord in our hearts and in our lives? How can we be attractive to people that don't know you because God is here? And it's more than just a, it's more than just a religion. It's really this connected relationship with God that through the Holy Spirit flows through us, connecting us to God and connecting us to other people. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if you've noticed, if you look around, what people are really clamoring for and what people are really wanting in their life is something that's real. Right? I don't believe that a program is going to cause someone to really radically change their life. I don't think a new ministry is going to cause someone to radically change their life. I don't, I don't think starting something new in the church. I mean, you know, as pastor, there's people that come up all the time. Pastor, could we, I've got an idea. Could I start this ministry? And it's not that it's wrong. And it's, I'm not talking about you know, their heart in this moment. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, I don't, is, it, is that going to push us over the top? Is that really what's going to do it to help us reach San Diego for, with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because 94% of our county doesn't attend a house of worship at all on any given weekend. That's not acceptable to the Lord. The Bible says that he is not wanting any to perish, but for all to come into everlasting life. And so he is wanting to connect with those people, and he chooses to do that through the church. And what I've noticed is that people are really clamoring for, I mean, they're really thirsty and hungry for the real deal. I mean, they really want a real expression of God. They, they don't want to go through a bunch of hoops. They don't want to go through a bunch of calisthenics or religious exercises. What they really want is, is God there and is God real? And if he is, then I want to know him and I want to know what he's going to do in my life. And for that to happen in our lives, for that to happen in our church, we need the, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And I thought I was going to be preaching to the choir tonight. I'm obviously not, so I'll try to get better if you get better. Amen? All right. And so I want to talk to you for 2 Kings chapter 6, 1 through 7. And we begin reading verse 1. It starts like this. It says, And the company of the prophets said to Elijah, so this company of prophets said to Elijah, Look, the place where we meet is just too small. Wouldn't that be great if we just looked around here? You know, the place, Pastor, where we meet is just too small. 
I mean, we just need something bigger. We just, it's just too small. There's too many of us. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Amen. Look, let's go to the Jordan where we can get a pole or a beam of wood. And, and let us go and let's build a place that for us to live. And what they're saying is that there's this dormitory in this, this Bible school, and this is where people went to go and learn about ministry. And Elisha was the head, and he was teaching people. And in this dormitory, it was just too many people, and it was too packed. Can we build? This is the place where we live. Can we go and build a bigger place? He's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go build it. Go ahead. And so we're going to go into the Jordan, and we're going to grab a beam. We're going to grab some wood. We're going to bring it back, and we're going to build a more suitable place. Verse 3, and then one of them said, why don't you please come and go with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. And they went to the Jordan and began to cut down the trees. And as one of them was cutting down the tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried out, it's borrowed. And the man of God asked, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick, he threw it there, and he made the iron float. He lifted out, he said, that the man reached out his hand and he took it. Now, obviously, this Bible school was very successful. There's a company of people. There's a large group of people. They're outgrowing their facilities. Their solution was, let's just build bigger facilities. Let's turn anybody away. And so they went and they go to prepare for that. And as they were going with their axes, they were cutting down their beams. All of a sudden, one of the axes on the end of that handle, it flies off and it goes into the water. And he goes, oh, my gosh, it's borrowed. Now, you have to understand why this is such a big deal. There's penalty of law for him. He borrowed somebody's tool. Maybe it was their tool that helped them make their livelihood. And so as they're out there working, now he's lost it. How is he going to go back to the owner of that piece of property and say, I've lost the thing that you need to make money for your family to survive. Or I've lost the thing that I have borrowed. And it's a big deal. There's penalty under law. It's called restitution. He was going to have to provide for that very same item and then some. How many of you know if you're in Bible college, how many of you know if you're just in college at all, you don't have any money? It's the same back then, right? He's in Bible school. I can tell I was there. You don't have any money. And you borrow something and now it's broken. You're like, how am I going to replace it? And by law, I have to. Or I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. And so the man of God just says, hey, you know, cuts a stick, throws over there, and it floats. How many of you know that doesn't happen? I've never seen iron float, right? You ever seen iron float? And what I, what, as I was studying this years ago, what the Lord put on my heart was, I want you to realize, Brian, he says, I want you to realize, son, that this is, the axe head is the power of the Holy Spirit. I said, what do you mean, Lord? And he began to pour into me, and he began to show me just seven observations that I'm going to give to you tonight. And just seven things that I think, and I've called the title of the message that you can have the power back. Because I think what the church needs in America is we need the power back. I think what we need as leaders is we need to have the power back. I think what we need as husbands and wives, we need to have the power back as we lead our families. I think what we need as we step into the schools tomorrow and as we go into our workplaces, we need the power back. We need the power of God back. We don't need scriptures memorized, nothing wrong with that. We don't pray more, nothing wrong with that. There's prayer meeting after this. I hope you stay. That's not what we need the power of the Holy Spirit back in our lives. Because we are, we are the only Bible that many people ever read. And so as we go out and we, do our, we go about our day and we do the things that we do, if we have the touch of God upon us, the anointing, it's the anointing that makes the difference. It's the power of God in our life that makes the difference. You say, well, I'm not qualified. Then you're, you're just the person. Because when you're not qualified, those are the people that the Lord loves to use because he gets even greater glory. 
Because see, it doesn't matter. You can think you're here. Maybe you're here. And maybe, the, maybe what's required of you is here. How do you know God can make up the difference? That's the anointing. That's the power of God. That's the Holy Spirit. And there's seven observations I'm going to give you very quickly now, and then we're going to pray. And the first observation is this, is there is nothing like working under the power of the Holy Spirit. There is absolutely nothing like working under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you have ever cut down a tree? Not, not with a chainsaw, I'm talking about with an axe. Just a few of you understand. These Bible college students were volunteering to go to work, right? I mean, they were out there going, hey, there's a problem. We need a bigger dorm. How about we go take an axe and we go chop down a tree? We go to work. How many know it's hard, hard work to chop down a tree, right? If you've ever done it, you know, I'm telling you, it's hard work. And these guys were, why would they volunteer to go and do this? Because there's absolutely nothing like working under the power of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing. There's nothing like having the touch of God upon you. There's nothing like being in that moment and not knowing what to say and the power of God come upon you and you say the exact words that that person needs to hear. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like being at the right place at the right time because the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And you find yourself right there, right when there's a need, and you're able to meet that need, and you're able to bring glory to God. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than having somebody come to you and say, can you pray for me? I know you're a Christian, aren't you? And you go, well, yes, I am. Because they see the anointing of God. They see the power of God. They see the Spirit of God on your life. There's nothing better than that. And these Bible college students understood that. That's why they volunteered. And God is looking for you. He's looking for a bunch of people that will volunteer and say, God, I want to work under the anointing of God. I want to tarry until I receive the power of God. I want to pray until the power of God comes into my life. I want to be a part of what you're doing. And I want to be motivated to move by the Spirit and by the power of God in my life, in my world, in my community. I want to make a difference. Why? Because there's nothing like working under the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do you know this? Well, you have an anointing that you need to release. First John chapter 2 and verse 20, but you have an anointing from the most holy one. All of you, and all of you know the truth. Every single one of you have an anointing upon your life. Wait a minute, I thought the anointing was for the pastor when he preaches. You know, I've heard that, oh, pastor, I hope you're anointed. I hope you've got a word today. I need a word. How do you know the anointing is not just for the preacher? Come on. The Bible says that every single one of you carry an anointing from the most holy one. You have an anointing in your life. In Joel chapter 2, he prophesied about it. And you read about it in the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. But in Joel, it says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Some say all flesh. That the spirit will be poured out upon all people. If you're alive, you're a person. <laughs> Just checking to make sure. Like, you know, make if you're alive, you're a person, that means that the God wants to pour out the Holy Spirit upon your life. If he says your sons and daughters will prophesy, some of you are sons and daughters in this room, and your old men will dream dreams, praise God, I didn't get left out, and your young men will see visions, and even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. How many of you want to see that? That's what happened on the day of Pentecost, and that book is still not finished, the book of Acts. It's still being written through us, his disciples. And when we work under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to see those things happen in our lives. 
See, it's not just for the pastor, as I said. It's for every male and female, rich and poor, illiterate and illiterate or intelligent, young and old. The power of the Holy Spirit is for all of us. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. The God wants to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit, and we all need it. How do you know we need it? Say amen. And once you've tasted, here's what I know, that once you've tasted what it is to operate under the power of the Holy Spirit, you won't want to do it in your own strength ever again. It's too much work. Ministry's too much work. Chopping down trees is too much work. Leading someone to Christ, getting into someone's life, creating the perfect moment so that you can share the gospel with them, trying to live the perfect life, it's too hard. But when we're led by the Spirit... But when we have the Spirit of God working in our lives, when we have the power of God upon us, and we are able to step into those great things that God has prepared for us in advance, and the power of God begins to flow through us, and we begin to touch people, I'm telling you, there's nothing like working under the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts 1.8 that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We need to wait for the Holy Spirit. I said earlier, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit, saith the Lord. Listen, this is my longest point. I'll get through the others quicker. I know you're already looking at your clock. But in Acts, the book of Acts, they understood what it was like to work under the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3 and verse 6 through 10. It says, then Peter said, silver or gold have I none. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk and taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Verse 8. And he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. I love that part. I love that part so much because here's this, here's this man who cannot walk and he's been there begging for years and all of a sudden he is skipping through the church and people are going, isn't that the guy? What happened? It was the Holy Spirit. Peter says, I don't have anything to give you, but what I do have, I'll give it to you. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were able to walk through hospitals and just clean them out? Huh? What if we were able to go and pray for somebody in need at our workplace and God began to do a miracle there? What would happen if when, when somebody came to us and when they were complaining about something, we said, what if we turned that into a prayer request? And we said, you know what? I don't know how to meet your need, but God can't. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes and guides you and directs you and does something supernatural in your life. What would happen in our life? It would get exciting. Because God would show up to reveal himself to those people and he would use you to do it. That's why I'm saying there's nothing like working under the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 5, Peter, this is how powerful the Holy Spirit is on somebody's life. Verse 12, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together at Solomon's colonnade. And no one else dared join them even though they were highly regarded by the people. Verse 14, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And as a result, people brought the sick to the streets and they laid, they laid the beds and the mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Don't miss that. He might not be able to get to everybody. I know that there's thousands of people here. And everybody's got a need, and he's going to go, and he's going to lay hands on as many people as he can before service is over. But we're going to put people right out here, and at least his shadow will go across them. And then what does it say? And the crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, 
bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits. And what does it say? And what? All of them were, even the people in the shadows. I mean, you don't even know that if you have the Holy Spirit on your life, the power of God working your life, that you don't even know as you're walking down the hallway of your school, your workplace, or you're going on your prayer walk around your neighborhood and you're praying for those neighbors and somebody comes out and they grab a piece of you know grab the newspaper off the doorstep and your shadow hits them or your presence hits them you don't know that God's not using that to bring healing into their lives that's what happens when you have the Holy Spirit at work in your life you know you understand what I'm saying there's nothing like working under the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 8 when they came up out of the water the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away And the eunuch did not see them again, and he went up and on his way rejoicing. I mean, that's cheaper airfare than Southwest Airlines. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, he immediately was just translated to another place. You talk about the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. How many can just say awesome with me? That's awesome. In Acts chapter 9, verse 17, Ananias was praying for Paul. You know the story. And he went to the house, and he entered it, laid his hands on Saul. And brother Saul, the Lord Jesus appeared to you on the road as you were coming there, and he sent me. So that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. And he could see again and he got up and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. One last passage, Acts chapter 9 verse 40. And Peter sent them all out of the room. And he got down on his knees and he prayed and he turned toward the dead woman. We're talking about someone who's dead. Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. There's nothing, absolutely nothing like working under the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know the joy of what it's like to walk into a hospital room and anoint somebody with oil and lay your hands on them and see them get up out of that bed, I challenge you to seek after the power of the Holy Spirit and be used by God in ministry. If you don't know what it's like to be walking down a place a place that you don't normally travel but you find yourself in and be able to see God opening up a door for you to minister and lead someone to the Lord. I promise you there's nothing more joyful, nothing more fulfilling than leading somebody else to Christ with God using you through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than giving a word in due season. There's nothing better than prophesying over somebody. There's nothing better than sharing a word from Scripture right when somebody needs it. There's nothing better than being prompted by God to pray for someone, pick up a phone, call somebody. Today, I was at a meeting. They said, Pastor, what you don't know is I don't really work from church. I was at a pastor's meeting, and you sent out a card saying, I'm praying for you today. I was led by the Spirit to pray for you today, and I don't get my mail until Sunday. And I was struggling, and I was thinking about what was going on in our church, and there was all kinds of problems. And I was going through my mail before I went out on the platform, and here's a card for me. And I opened it up, and I flipped it open. It says, I felt compelled by God to send you this note to let you know I prayed for you today, and that God has something special for you this weekend. And don't be afraid to preach the word of God and let God use you. And he's like, I went out there, and I preached the Bible. He said, and God moved. I didn't do that. That's the Holy Spirit. See, there's nothing better, there's nothing better than being used by God. Nothing better than working out of the power of the Holy Spirit. Observation number two. You learn anything? The fullness of the Holy Spirit's not for keeps. This is where so many people miss it. Oh, I got filled with the Holy Spirit back when I was 16 years old. I know, but you're 56. What's been going on for the last 40 years of your life? 
See, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not for keeps. Well, how do you know? Because in verse 5, he said it was borrowed. How many of you know that everything you have is borrowed? That you're just a steward of everything that God allows you to have and bring into your life. That you're to steward everything, including the Holy Spirit that's in your life. And you may not lose your salvation, but you can lose the anointing and you can lose the Holy Spirit. It's borrowed from God and you don't want to lose that. You want to have the touch of God upon your life. We see it in King Saul's life. In 1 Samuel, and there's a passage of scripture on the screen, but when they arrived at Gabeah, the procession of prophets met him and the spirit of God came upon him. We're talking about Saul. And he joined in their prophesying. And when Saul heard the words, the spirit of God came upon him in power and he burned with anger against the sin of people. And so Saul went to Ramah, but the spirit of God came even upon him there and he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. And when you look at this, can I tell you, If you know your Bible, you know that Saul died without the Holy Spirit. And you're saying, wait a minute, how did the Holy Spirit come upon him so powerfully? How did it come upon him where he was prophesying? How did it come upon where God was doing great things in his life? Guess what? The answer is this. The power of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is on loan to you. It's borrowed. You've got to... You've got to invest in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You pray in the Spirit and invest in that by speaking in tongues. You seek after a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You spend time meditating on God's Word and meditating on Scriptures that bring you closer to God. Because the the Scripture teaches us that this is a gift from God. And we need to treat it like it's a wonderful, incredible gift from God. In Ephesians chapter 5, it tells us not to be drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. You know what it means. You've heard it over and over. It means to be filled and continually be filled. We need to be filled tonight. You say, well, I, I had a great prayer time this morning. That's awesome. You probably wore it all out all day. Or maybe you got something on Sunday. That's awesome. But guess what? You're halfway through the week. You don't want to run dry. It says be filled and continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we need to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Observation number three is the power can be lost. Not only is it borrowed, but it's lost. You know the story is one of them were cutting down the tree. The axe had come off, and it fell into the water. It was lost. It was gone. There are many people who continue to chop without an axe head at the end of their axe. And they don't understand why they don't get anywhere in life. Where's God? I don't see any miracles. This isn't working for me. I pray, but there's no answer to my prayer. And they just have this axe head without a, they just have an axe handle without an axe head on. And they're just working in in their own strength. And they don't understand why they're taking baby steps. They understand why they don't see the miracles. They understand why they don't see the supernatural. They don't understand why God doesn't do uh, great things for them. They don't understand why they don't see the blessing of God. They don't understand why that season never comes. Can I tell you, it's as simple as this, is they lost it somewhere along the way. I mean, why are schools averages, choirs averages, preachers averages, teachers averages, fellowship groups averages, prayer partners averages? Why are government officials averages? Why are parent averages? Why are marriages average? Why? Because they're all doing it in their own strength and they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. They've lost it somewhere along the way. They're average because they're doing it in their own strength. We're called to do a supernatural activity. We need the supernatural power of God working in our life to do it. 
How do you know what God's called us to do is to go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples? And there's no way to do that in our own strength. There's no way to go reach a next generation of people that are completely lost. There's no way to turn this country around without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to recognize we need to foster a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Number four, their power wasn't their own. Again, oh my Lord, it's borrowed. It's not their power. It's on loan from them. It's not their power. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, we see this. And all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one as he determines or as he wills. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He's talking about your abilities, your aptitudes, the gifts that are in the body of Christ. It's the Spirit that gives them to everyone as he wills. They're not yours. Again, you're just a steward of everything that you've been given. They're not yours. The power wasn't theirs, and it's not yours. It's not training. It's not charisma. It's not a better presentation. It's not better schooling. It's not more degrees. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. What builds a church? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not programs, planning, or prosperity. It's not more organization. It's not greater capacity. It's the Holy Spirit. And I submit to you tonight that we need a revival like never before. That we need the real deal in our services. That we need the real deal in our lives. That I would submit to you instead of saying, boy, I hope the choir, or I hope the band, or I hope the worship team, or I hope Pastor Alfonso, or I hope Pastor Brian's anointed because I really need something from the Lord today. How about you come already full of the Holy Spirit? Come on, somebody. You come already supernaturally charged because you've been connected to the power source and you've been praying and you've been fasting and you've been on your knees and you know that you're walking under the unction and under the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you walk in, you're ready. And note number one, they start on G. Boom. And you go, yes, hallelujah, God's here. How do you know? Because you brought him. Because you brought him. You're not waiting for him to show up. You can't wait to sit by somebody who doesn't know God as well as you do. My pastor used to say this. When I first got into Pentecost, I, was in, I wasn't in Bible school yet. I was at Indiana State. But our pastor, when I first got into Pentecost and I first was going to serve, pastor would say, I want you to pray like you've never prayed right now because the person standing beside you needs it. I said, what's he talking about? I want you to worship like you've never worshipped before because the person on both sides of you, they need it. And one time he explained it. He said, when you pray and when you worship God with all of your heart, the spirit of God comes out upon you. And there's always an overflow because God always does more than we need, right? And it touches them and all of a sudden they began to feel something working in their life. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need revival in our church. We need a personal Pentecost in our own lives. And we need to see God do something in our city. Number five. The interesting thing is, is the, the man in the story, he knew where he lost it. I would submit to you tonight that if you are struggling in your relationship with God, if you're struggling in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you know that you've kind of at one time were on fire for God and you were just going after it, now you're not, I would submit to you that you know exactly where you lost it. You remember that one decision that took you away from God and that took you out of church. You know that one decision that caused you to walk away from what you knew God was wanting for your life. You know what it was. 
And just like this man, you know where you lost it. And here's the good news is that you can get it back again. Number six, others know where you, or number six is others know where you've lost it too. Remember, they were in a company of other prophets, right? There were a lot of other people. Like, yeah, he lost it right there. And I bet there's some people in your life that go, yeah, yeah, yeah. He once was on fire for God. She once was on fire for God. She was in church. She came early. She was a prayer meeting. She was part of the core ministry team. She was on fire for God. But yeah, not, not, yeah. It was when they started dating that guy. If you're dating tonight, I'm not prophesying right now, just so you know. It's when he started dating that girl. It's when he got that job that kept him out of church. It's when he, yeah, when he stopped reading his Bible and he wasn't really on fire for him. He used to come every time and say, did you read this in Scripture? And did you know that God said this? Did you know that this is one of the promises of God? And he would be so excited about God's word. Now I never hear him talk about God's word. Yeah, that's probably where he lost it. Where are you? So you know where you lost it. And here's the thing is, just by being here tonight, throwing up a hand on fast songs or slow songs, clapping on fast songs, you're not faking anybody else out. The people that know you best, they know that you're not where you once were. They know it. You know it. God knows it. They know it. Maybe we should just do something about it tonight. Like number seven, you can have the power back again. He cut the stick. He threw it to where he'd lost it. And the axe head flew. You go, that, that floated. It, you know the word float there? You know what it actually means? This is awesome. The word float in the actual Hebrew translation, that the axe head began to swim. I, I don't know if it was the breaststroke, the freestyle, the backstroke. I don't know what it was doing. But I, I, that's what it means. And so he was just treading water right there. He said, go ahead, pick it up. And he was able to get it back. Let me ask you tonight. I mean, before we go into the first love conference, and can we, we could get fired up and get on fire for God before we get, wait for a conference, can't we? I mean, we, we don't have to wait for a prayer meeting tonight. We don't have to wait for the first love conference. We don't have to wait till this Sunday. We, we could do something right now to where we open up our hearts and life. We say, God, I want the power back. I want the power of the Holy Spirit operating in my life. I want to submit myself to you. I want to go on a daily journey, a journey with you to where I'm learning to operate under the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to see miracles and signs and wonders like they did in the book of Acts. I want you to use me in a powerful way. I want to do something that is radical. I want to do something that's different. I want to bring the real deal to people every time they meet me. I want them to know that I love you and I'm on fire for you. You can't sustain that unless you have the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Here's what's amazing to me, and I end with this. Elisha took a stick, a piece of wood, and he threw it in the place. And it swam, it floated. I would submit that in order to get the power back, that you have to come back to another piece of wood. That's symbolized in that passage right there is the cross. Because that's where it all starts. And then you come back to that piece of wood. You come back to those, that horizontal beam and that vertical beam. You come there and you put yourself at the foot of that cross. And you say, God, just like the prophet did for that man. Where he brought that piece of wood. Where he brought the cross present. And you caused that power to come back. God, I want the power to come back upon me. I want the Holy Spirit to come back upon me. I want the anointing of God to come back upon me. I want the power of God to flow through me again. How many of you believe that could happen tonight? 
See, I believe that that can happen. I believe that can happen to your life. I believe that God wants to radically transform your life so that you can do something that is far greater than you ever asked, dream, or imagined. But it starts with you having a desire to see it happen in your life. So what about you as you stand all over this building? What about you? I mean, do you want to take just a few minutes? I mean, we got through this quick. We're, we're early. Like, I know this group. You guys are here till like midnight half the time. So I, I get it. But if you, how many of you would say, Pastor, I, I, want, I want the power of God, a fresh touch of God in my life this morning or this evening? I want it. I want a fresh touch from God. I recognize yesterday won't work. I recognize the old ways my evening won't work. I recognize I need a new anointing for a new season, for a new day. I recognize I need a new anointing if I'm going to step into a new season of life. And so many times we don't, God's not able to lead us into a new season because we're trying to live on the old oil. Come on, somebody. He's going to give us the new oil for a new journey, a new season. If you want that, I want you to just come to the front right here. We're going to, I think there's some prayer team guys, right? There's some people going to pray for you. I'll pray for you. Maybe we can have some music. It would be awesome. But if you really want God to do something in your life, you really want a fresh touch from heaven, you really want the power of God to fall on you again, I encourage you to find yourself right here at the foot of the cross. And I encourage you to cry out to God, even before anybody prays for you. Say, God, I need the touch from heaven. I want a new anointing. I want to operate under the power of God. I want to see you doing something in my life. I want something new in my life, new touch, new anointing, new oil from heaven. Can we just all slip up our hands toward heaven right now? Can we do that? Let's just pray right now, right now in your own way. You just pray right where you are. Come on, people are still coming. But you just pray right where you are unless you're moving to come up here. Just pray right now. Come on. Come on, cry out to God right now. Come on. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's nothing worth more. Jesus, Jesus. I will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're a living home. Your presence, Lord. Come on, let's make this our prayer. Let's sing it out. Come on. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. 